Landscape, a Cranes Cleveland podcast. I'm Dan Palata. Thanks for joining us. For the last two years, the Cleveland International Film Festival has been a virtual festival. The festival was supposed to move to Playhouse Square last year, but because of COVID, wasn't able to do that. But this year, it makes its move to Playhouse Square from its longtime home in Tower City. Here to talk about that move and everything that's happening at the festival, which begins March 30th and runs through April 9th in Playhouse Square, then the 10th through 17th is a virtual part of the festival, is the Associate Director of CIFF, Patrick Shepard. Patrick, thanks for being with us today. Hello, Dan. It's an honor to be here. Before we talk about this year's festival, I think we were all shell-shocked in 2020. The, all the cancellations were coming when the festival was right about the week the festival was supposed to happen. So you moved it to a virtual festival and you had to do that again last year. How did things go last year? It's been quite the journey, uh, Dan, and I'm actually going to jump back to 2020 for uh, a minute here. You know, the, the Cleveland International Film Festival is among the largest and longest running film festivals in the United States. And while the, the pandemic forced us to reinvent the way that we provide film arts to the community, we, we continue to present the newest and best uh, independent and international films from around the world, and we help our audiences learn something along the way. And you mentioned shell-shocked. Uh, we were summoned to Cleveland City Hall, and uh, coincidentally, we were standing uh, right next to the organizers of the St. Patrick's Day Parade uh, when uh, Mayor Frank Jackson uh, canceled uh, the, the parade and the festival, and uh, we uh, managed to repurpose ourselves pretty quickly. We were one of the first film festivals in the United States to pivot to digital programming in the wake of the pandemic. Uh, we had CIF 44 streams in the latter half of April 2020. And then we did have the whole year to figure out what we were going to do in 2021. And in October of 2020, we announced that we were going to remain virtual, remembering that this was mostly the pre-vaccination uh, portion of the pandemic. Uh, and we were able to build around the delivery of the films, uh, but we uh, are so pleased about the journey that we're about to begin with Playhouse Square. Let's talk about the move to Playhouse Square. Remind us why you're leaving Tower City and going to the square. Yes, our board of directors constituted a location task force back in 2007 because our location at Tower City Cinemas was a bit uncertain. We never knew from year to year if we were going to be able to remain in that complex to present the festival. And uh, we had many site visits over the course of 12 years, and that led to uh, a unanimous vote of our board of directors in December of 2019, uh, at which they decided to move the festival to Playhouse Square in 2021. Of course, the pandemic, the pandemic uh, interrupted us uh, a few months after that, so that's why our first festival at our forever home of Playhouse Square is coming up this week. What kind of advantages did having it in Playhouse Square? What will it offer the festival? Yeah, we as Ohioans are fortunate that Playhouse Square is the second largest performing arts district in the United States outside of Lincoln Center in New York City. We actually see many of our peer festivals that uh, whose th their locations are now a bit imperiled because of changes in the film industry. We are so thrilled to have a, a nonprofit organization uh, that runs this incredible uh, district and the fact that it's not going anywhere. This is our forever home. And it's just amazing to me that some of these theaters that were built in the 1920s as movie palaces and vaudeville stages are now going to be the places where we're going to be bringing our filmmakers and our films uh, for our audience to engage uh, in these incredible spaces. What kind of health and safety protocols will the festival be following? 
We follow what Playhouse Square uh, uh, mandates. Uh, right now, it's, it, it is uh, uh, mask optional and, and vax recommended. That has obviously changed over time, and we will follow any changes that Playhouse Square shares, and all resident companies follow those. What's the behind the decision to have a hybrid festival again this year? Why not just do it all in Playhouse Square? That's a great question. We we found in 2020 and 2021 that we 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 have new audiences that either had not been part of the festival for a long period of time or they had never been part of it, maybe because they uh, of a geographical distance from downtown or they were just unable to get there for one reason or the other. And we don't want to lose those audiences that we found in 20 20 and 21. So uh, we are thrilled that we'll have eight days of streaming that will follow the, the in-person festival. We'll, as you mentioned earlier, will run from April 10th through the 17th. I think it's important to point out that every film in our festival will have one or two Playhouse Square screenings. And we, we asked every film to stream and not all feature films are streaming. So all the shorts will stream and a majority of the features will stream, uh, but some distributors chose that they the, that they want to have a theatrical run in perhaps this spring, summer, or fall, and for business reasons, they decided that uh, they would not put their films on uh, our streaming platform. When it comes to streaming, is there a limit of how many people can stream the film at any one time? Yeah, there are distributor caps. That's the insider lingo. Okay. Uh, and that's true for in-person screenings, and that's too, that's true for screening streamings. And and just to, by way of comparison, at Tower City Cinemas, our our average auditorium size was 250, 275-ish, and that often matched the caps that we were given by the distributors. So we were perfectly sized into those theaters. And if we got if we got an increase like 500, we could put it in two theaters or very rarely we could put a film in three theaters at Tower City. But it's entirely different now because, of course, the the State Theater and the Palace Theater have capacities north of 2,500. And the Ohio has a capacity of about 1,000. And uh, uh, the Allen is uh, about 500 and the Upper Allen is is over 700. So we're, we're going to have a situation where... Uh, only 500 people can be in the state theater. Uh, and that's going to feel very different than it did at Tower City because we we were very condensed in that space. Uh, and to your streaming question, yes, uh, some films will go off the streaming platform if there's a demand. Of course, when we see things approaching a cap, we always ask for an increase and sometimes we get it and sometimes we don't. I realize having a hybrid allows you to cover your bases, but I think it's an interesting question. On the one hand, I can imagine that people are anxious to get back into the theater, especially a festival, because you want to enjoy it with other real movie lovers. On the other hand, Mm -hmm. people have gotten used to streaming. Have you given any thought to what you think might happen? Well, I I do believe that there will uh, be a demand for streaming, uh, but I also think that there's pent-up demand for in-person engagement. I mean, what makes a film festival special is that we bring filmmakers from across North America to Cleveland and uh, also other continents, although our budget is somewhat limited and we, we can't get every filmmaker that that we want. Uh, and just those, those post-film Q&As with the filmmakers and just running into a filmmaker in a, in a theater lobby, we, we often hear from filmmakers that they think that Cleveland's audiences are among the most engaged 
to in any festival along the circuit. And we're always honored and happy to hear those comments. The film festival doesn't happen without its army of volunteers, many of whom have been volunteering for many, many years. Are most of them ready to come back and assist again this year? They are. And the interesting thing is many are also Redcoats. So it will it will be a hybrid volunteer corps as well as a hybrid festival. So we'll have Redcoats and we'll have hundreds of our own volunteers. And we actually have changed uh, the color of our volunteer shirts to red to match the Redcoats. And we could not pull off this festival without these incredible volunteers. And while we've had some virtual volunteers over the past two years, I cannot wait to see them on opening night. Patrick Shepard is the Associate Director of the Cleveland International Film Festival, which begins March 30th. The in-person festival at Playhouse Square runs through April 9th. The 10th through the 17th is the virtual part of the festival. Patrick, the theme this year is Shine On. Tell us about that. Yeah, Shine On because of our move to Playhouse Square. It's such an incredible district and it's so vibrant. And of course, it's centered by that chandelier at Euclid Avenue and East 14th Street. And you will see... Uh, a chandelier is part of uh, our trailer and just it, one of the most brilliant and exciting trailers we've had uh, over the years. And uh, Shine On is, is reflective of our new and forever home and, and also of our filmmakers and our volunteers and our guests and patrons. Everybody is, is part of the film festival family and we will all shine on together. What's the process of deciding what films are shown at the festival? You are out looking at films and picking some, and then, are, then I would imagine there are film directors trying to get you to run their movies. How does this all work? Well, first of all, I should be nowhere near uh, selecting films, and I'm not, but we have a great <laughs> artistic team. Mallory Martin is our artistic right. director. I believe you spoke with her last year. I did. And she has assembled this incredible programming team uh, that have prospected films from around the world to bring to Cleveland. Uh, all the while, we do have a call for entries process, and that that is actually a revenue generator for us because over 3,500 films were submitted by filmmakers, and they pay us to consider those. Uh, and uh, that's actually another element of our, our, our volunteer program is that we have over 100 volunteers that spend a lot of time uh, throughout the summer and fall and part of the winter, uh, making sure that each of these films are screened at least three times. There's comments and then they are elevated. Uh, those that get the highest rankings are elevated to, to higher levels for consideration. And, and it's a very competitive process. We're talking single digits in terms of percentage of the number of films that are submitted that actually get in. But there are some amazing entries uh, that we are very excited to present. This is a, a real uh, bonanza for foreign film lovers. I mean, you can see foreign films around town. How many countries are represented, do you know, this year? We do. We have 145 feature films and 182 short films from 73 countries. Is that a new, is that a new record? That sounds, pretty, that sounds close, right? Yeah, I've been with the festival for, uh, this will be my 24th year. And typically the number is in the 60s. So uh it, it is higher than average, I would say. And I'll just note that we have films from Ukraine that I think people are going to be interested in. What's the procedure remind us for, for the buying of tickets and for streaming? How does it work? I know there's passes. You can do individual things, just in a nutshell. Sure. Uh, our, our website, clevelandfilm.org, has memberships that include all access, either in person or streaming or both. Uh, or you can just buy individual tickets to films in the festival. There are going to be over 
300 screenings in the Connor Palace, the Key Bank State Theater, the Ohio Theater, the Allen Theater, the Upper Allen, and the Westfield Studio Theater. Uh, and I, I do want to mention that a competitive advantage for our festival for all these 46 years is we've essentially been under one roof for the entire time. Our initial home was the Cedar Lee Theater in Cleveland Heights from 1977 to 1990. And then Tower City Center was built in 1990 and the festival moved downtown in 1991 and we enjoyed 29 years under one roof there. And our attendance started out in the in the mid-teens back in 1991. And for the final several years at Tower City, we topped 100,000 in attendance. And of course, now that we've moved to Playhouse Square, everything is under one roof with one minor exception. If you want to get to the Westfield Studio Theater, you, you have to walk outside and then walk uh, in the front doors of the Idea Center. But essentially, everything is still very compact and it's easy to get from theater to theater. So what do you do when you go to a festival? How do you enjoy a festival if you're not there for work? Do you say, do you get the book out and say, I'm going to go to these seven movies? Do you allow yourself some time to just wander into a theater and watch something you might not have thought about? What's your game plan? Yeah, I mean, I always prioritize what what's of greatest interest to me. And I have a personal bias on documentaries. I just think that there's so many amazing films out there. Uh, in fact, I have been hoping for a, a, a documentary about Lake Erie for some time. And finally, we have one. Uh, it's called The Erie Situation, and it talks about the health of Lake Erie. I think it's very relevant to our conversations about environmental health here in the Great Lakes region. Some of the other films have ties to Northeast Ohio. Doesn't the Closing Night film have a tie to Northeast Ohio, too? Is that right? Uh, it has an Ohio connection. Linoleum Ohio. is our yeah our Closing Night film, but there are others that have very strong connections. I, I want to call out The Inventor uh, and, and highlight our shorts film program, because The Inventor is a 15-minute short film uh, that's part of Shorts Program 12, but it's it's not a documentary, but it's a narrative about the famous Black inventor from Cleveland, Garrett Morgan. Uh, and it's set in Cleveland in 1916, and it talks about his invention of the gas mask and how he saved lives uh, in an explosion along Lake Erie uh, that year. So uh, I just want to, I do, of course, encourage everybody to check out our feature films, but please check out our shorts programs as well. And just to repeat what I said earlier, all shorts will remain on the streaming platform for the entire run of SIF 46 streams to the best of our knowledge. Let's talk for a moment about two movies that the film festival has chosen not to show, which is Unclenching the Fists and No Looking Back. We'll explain what's going on there. Yeah, we heeded the, the, the call by the Ukrainian arts community uh, and it was a very tough decision, uh, but we believe that these are unprecedented times, and we felt that it, this was an important decision to make. Uh, obviously, Ohio has tens of thousands of Ukrainians, uh, and every time I see an image on TV, I think of Andy Fedinsky from the Ukrainian Museum Archives and, and, and what he must be going through right now, and we stand with the people of Ukraine. One of the subjects does have a tie to Russia this year. It's the centerpiece. Tell us about the documentary film that's going to be shown that uh, is the centerpiece this year. Navalny is our centerpiece screening. And just to kind of give you context, the centerpiece screening is in the stratosphere of opening night and closing night. We'll have a, we'll have a larger cap, so there'll be a larger audience for it. There'll be a special Q&A after all three of those. But Navalny is uh, it's a narrative film based on the life of uh, the primary political opponent of Vladimir Putin, and that is Alexei Navalny. Uh, as you might recall, Dan, he's been poisoned. 
uh, and, and he was saved and, and taken to Germany. And then he decided to go back to Russia where uh, he was imprisoned. And I believe very recently he got a prison sentence of more than nine years. So just a, a really brave man. And we're, we're honored to elevate his story and like so many stories that we elevate at the film festival. And that'll be the centerpiece screening of Navalny, which will take place on Tuesday, April 5th at 7 p.m. One of the options the festival offers is something you call sidebars. What are those? Yeah, that, that's one way to kind of sort the types of films that you're looking for. Some of them are more culturally and community-based, and some are more thematic. So, for example, if, if, you've got, if you have uh, children you want to bring to the festival, you would check out our family films. Uh, we do have a comedy sidebar this year. But there's also women of the world, there's black cinema, there's Asian cinema, there's Latinx and Hispanic cinema, uh, Jewish cinema, and many others. Uh, and that helps you sort uh, the type of films that you might be interested. You can also sort by country on our website. So if you have heritage from a particular country of those 73 that we talked about earlier, you can find out which films are connected to a certain country. Another way to sort are awards and competitions. We have a Central and Eastern European competition. We have a standing up competition, which is a lot of social justice films. Uh, and uh, we do have a global health competition uh, that the aforementioned, the Erie situation is part of. Uh, so we just encourage you to check out those ways to, to find the films that you want to see in the festival. Finally, give us a couple of gems. What are a few things we need to see? What have you seen or what are you looking forward to seeing? Oh, that's a great question. So we would encourage you to check out anything in our Groundbreaker program. Our Groundbreaker program elevates uh, a BIPOC filmmaker that's Black, Indigenous, or person of color. Uh, and our awardee this year is Brooke Pepion Swanee. Uh, her documentary film, Daughter of a Lost Bird, anchors that Groundbreaker program. But there are many other films that are have a racial equity lens. So we would encourage you to find our website and, and click on the Groundbreaker link. Also, Dreamcatcher is a companion program, and uh, Chase Joint is the director of Framing Agnes. And we're so thrilled that both Brooke from Groundbreaker and Chase from Dreamcatcher are going to be among the hundreds of filmmakers that will be traveling to Cleveland to engage people in the festival. Brooke will be here the first weekend, and Chase will be here the second weekend. The Dreamcatcher program elevates an LGBTQIA plus filmmaker and chases a trans filmer, filmmaker from Canada. Sounds like a great festival. Patrick, start making the popcorn. This is going to be fun. Starting March 30th. We're always glad we can join us to talk about the festival. Thanks for your time, Dan. Patrick Shepard is the Associate Director of the Cleveland International Film Festival. As you mentioned, it begins March 30th and runs through April 9th in Playhouse Square. The virtual part of the festival is April 10th through the 17th. We're glad you could join us for The Landscape, a Cranes Cleveland podcast. I'm Dan Paletta. Thanks for being with us, and we'll talk again soon. Mm -hmm.